Hey, Maddie, which Canadian province has the largest land size? Dowatoba. <laughs> so what happened? Did you, like, spend, like, the whole day at Epcot in the Canadian Pavilion just looking no, for factoids? No, I was, I, was, I was thinking about ways to rouse Georgia, and I found this great quiz called uh, Canadian Patriotism for Seniors. Oh, and this no. is a bunch of questions from that quiz. So... Oh, that just sounds, like, just so bad for me. Is that, like, Georgia's Canadian OWLs from Harry Potter? Would it be bad because you don't know any of the information? Probably. I, I probably will get kicked out of Canada. Are you, a fake, ca- are you a fake Canada girl, Georgia? <laughs> fake Canadian. Oh. What, what three oceans border Canada, Georgia? That's a hard one. What three oceans? Oh, I guess, I guess it is. Yeah. Huh. Never thought of it that way. I learned something today. Did you, did you learn <laughs> something today? Let's start this show. Hi there, welcome to Isometric, a gaming podcast from a different perspective. I'm Steve Lubitz, and I am here, as always, with uh, Head of Development at Giant Space Cap, Brianna Wu. How you doing, Brie? I promised you nonsense today. Are you, is your body ready for the nonsense? I don't think my body is ever ready for the okay, nonsense. Okay, okay, hold on. Hey, Frank, can I destroy your bookshelf? Yes, you can! <laughs> <laughs> yeah! Yeah! <laughs> oh my gosh. Books, who needs books? Yeah! <laughs> Reading is for losers anyway. That's what I do to books. That was amazing. (laughs) I could actually hear Frank's voice, like, clearly. Yeah. Like, does he have his own mic now? Did he just shout really loudly? I really like that. See, Frank actually is just starring in his own reality show, so he's mic'd all the time now. Oh, wow, yeah. I would watch that show, incidentally. Frank is married to me, so he he, he signed up for He knows how to project. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, that's just his normal speaking volume just to be heard, you Uh know. Right. Uh-huh. Right, right. He's always performing. There's a lot of. So, Maddie, is your body ready for nonsense? <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Is it? Was it really ready? Georgia, Georgia, Margaret Dow, is your body ready for nonsense? <laughs> is that Georgia's middle name? Oh, it is. God, it is know. now. It is. Damn. It's her middle name. I told you. Probably. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think that. I don't know if I'm ever ready for your nonsense, but I really want to be. Okay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Steve, are you ready for my nonsense? I'm never ready for your nonsense, Bree. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's never stopped you before, though. That's nope. true. <laughs> Should I introduce story. everybody else before before we unleash uh, unleash the fury? Yes. <laughs> okay. So we also have uh, assistant games editor at Pace Magazine, Maddie Myers. How you doing, Maddie? I'm excited. I want to know what Bree's going to say. So let's get to it. Let's get to it. Okay. We also have a psychotherapist by day, senior editor from imore.com by night, and apparently uh, secret super scroll, uh, Georgia Dow. How you doing, Georgia? <laughs> Do you know what super scroll is, Margaret? Uh, no. <laughs> Margaret. <laughs> No, I don't. Tell see, me. See, Bree, you can't do this because people have enough trouble. People say they have enough trouble telling Maddie and Georgia apart. If you call Georgia a name that starts with M, they're just going to be completely confused for the whole show. Yeah. They you know. So we're going to have to call her Super Scroll, I guess. <laughs> Super Scroll. That's acceptable. <laughs> I'm Googling. I'm Googling. That's right. That's it. How can you not know that? You hang out with Renee Ritchie all day. I know. Well, I'm, I, I only have so much geek knowledge. I, pro- I probably have to be kicked out of the geek universe. <laughs> no, you see, the thing is that Georgia only reads Alpha Flight. <laughs> this is a special Marvel <laughs> Comics episode of Isometric where we... It's only Canadian stuff. I know who Wolverine is. See, because right. Canadian. 
Yeah, he is Canadian. That's it. That's all I know. So, do you guys <laughs> want Brianna's special nonsense segment for to begin the show, or do you want it as dessert? I say we start with it. You may I mean, as well. That's... Yeah, let's start. I could do. I could do starting. Unleash the Frank Woo. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Oh Calm my down. gosh. No, don't calm down. <laughs> calm down. All right. All right. So we're about to do a, a fun exercise in developing video games. So we're starting, we're starting a new game development company right now on this show today. Now, everybody always thinks that they can develop a video game. But what people don't understand is it's no, impossible to <laughs> coordinate different people's ideas and to actually come up with an idea that works because it's so many competing directions. So what we are going to do on this show right now is I'm appointing Frank, yes. the CEO of Isometric Studios. No. <laughs> no, you can't fire me. Just fire Don't me. give him power. This is what if happens. He's giving power. Are you taking back the power? Are you no, I can't. You're the, the CEO. You're the yeah, CEO. Okay, okay. But Bree is the founder. Bree is the founder, so it would be tough to fire Ex-founder. her. He's, he's going to take away your Peggle championship, Bree. Be careful. <laughs> well, Bree, I guess Bree's the chairman of the board, probably. Well, no, so I'm, that, actually, you know. I'm going to reinstate Bree as the uh, official implementer of Frank's crazy ideas. Okay. Okay. Yes. yes so great. It's the official implementer okay all all three of you are hired and yes. we need a game all idea of you. that was your first mistake first mistake <laughs> no no so no, you chose to hire three people who ha- don't know how to make games that's correct. this is going up that's really correct. well so far that's correct but this is cool. how indie this is how works, every indie so. studio starts though yeah we, right. we start with three idea people to right. come <laughs> idea. Yeah. nobody knows how to actually make anything i know yeah. how to make games you know um, how to make games i, have, I know how to make um uh, uh yeah i know how to make games yeah. <laughs> all right all right okay, okay. Frank so, can make amazing spaceship drawings that's like that's all right i can make spaceships and and all the all the characters in the game will be spaceships. Okay, is that your degree? Talking CEO? spaceships, will they have teeth? Talking spaceships, some of them, yes. Yes, okay. yes. That's and, important. And every time you play through the game and you beat the game and then you start it over again, within five minutes your spaceship blows up and you get an even cooler spaceship with more <laughs> guns and more engines. So this is where, where death, death actually you get rewarded. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Oh, okay. I like so that. Let's yes. turn it over to the team. So, okay, okay, that's the edict from our CEO who, who's like reigning from on high. So, how do we bring this vision to fruition? Like, what engine are we going to use? Like, what, what kind of gameplay do we see? Can we use a V8 engine? <laughs> no. I don't know. Oh a V6? Gosh. I'm not sure. Wait, why are, why are we powering our game with vegetable juice? Well,. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we need like a fusion engine? I mean, we gotta eat something. Maybe um, we should start with figuring out our gameplay type, and we can pick the engine that we're gonna do. How about like there. a fighting game? Yeah, I was gonna say fighting game. It you could want be a fighting, fighting game with space. A fighting game yeah. RPG with roguelike elements. Oh yeah! I like oh, I like that. I like that. So it's what? a fighting game where you die and you level up, like Frank said, but it still <laughs> has these complex fighting game mechanics. That's right. So. That's right, yeah. yeah. Maybe it's almost like a team-based fighting game, so you have to create a squadron of ships that Ooh, fight together. Okay, yes. so oh, here's like where here's but, the lesson of this particular okay. exercise. Yeah. So here's where, because everyone says they want to make video games, but we're going to go through a realistic exercise here. Uh-huh. So if we're going to do a fighting game, is there going to be an online component to it? Like how, like, or is it all going to be local multiplayer? 
Everyone on the internet is terrible, so only local mostly player. Steve, I'll go with local. <laughs> local. You're both wrong. You can't do that. <laughs> I just want local. Frank, back me up. There can't just be local if it's a fighting game. People have to be able to practice with other people all over the world. Well, since this is just a sort of an we exercise that we're people, not actually going to do here. this. We're treating this as a real game that we would theoretically make. I think Bree is going to explain to us why we're all stupid and why <laughs> we're vastly overreaching beyond what we Wait, wait. Do. So why is this different from every other week? Right. Oh, no, it's, it's not. I just want to play directly into her hands and say okay. that I feel like part of what makes fighting games even playable at all is is that they have to have an online component. You have to be able to play from with people who are... So how are we going to get that? So you're going to have to have a a hosting for for matchmaking. You're Mm going to, like, what systems are we going to release for? PS3, Xbox? like Nintendo. Nintendo? Yeah, we're going to release on the Wii U. (laughs) It's going to be completely controlled with the Wii U gamepad, with the stylus. I was thinking that we would be completely controlled with Rob. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to have... No, you fight Rob. You have, like, that's it. All it's the enemies be are Rob. Entirely based on other people buying a bunch of spaceship peripherals for their home. It's going to be, we're going to make all of our money from these spaceship peripherals that everybody will have to buy in order to play and fight in the game. That sounds like okay, a brilliant so, idea. So, George, George's idea is to license Rob. Um, who do we <laughs> think? Do we think Nintendo will work with us on that? I don't, I mean, Nintendo loves working with people. It all depends yeah. if they've watched the show or not. Oh, yeah, they're all isometric fans, so that'll be fine, right? We can just use our star power to get them to agree. I think if we have a robot, I don't think it should be Rob. I think it should be Robot Obama from the Presidential Hall of uh, of Presidents. Excuse excuse me, Frank. Politics has no place in video games. We're talking about Robot (laughs) Obama, our finest robot president. Robama. That's right. Robama. Robama. If we're going to have a robot anything, it has to be a robot panda. Yeah. You play as the robot panda, maybe. Maybe that's how you start out. And and then you're like a robot panda you can't start with You can't start with the robot panda. The panda is the fiercest of all bear robots. That's true. <laughs> so you're it's like true. a co-op. You have to unlock that as DLC. You can't just buy that. You can't just right, get that right, with the right. base game. You're like right. a hand turkey spaceship, and then eventually you level that up after you die enough times. <laughs> right. Okay, and a serious then, question here. Do we think there's a market, like, if we invest years of our lives in someone learning how to code a back end and work with Nintendo's friend code system and, like, you know, somehow by a miracle license GoPro to, like, preempt, you know, preemptively figure out where we're going to be, matched on frames and all that, do we think there's a market for fighting games where you're fighting a panda and you're a spaceship? Only if it's stupid enough. Yes, I do. I think that there probably is. I don't know why you're marketing Maddie's back end, but I'm good with all of it. <laughs> the, the, mar- the, market, the market is actually just Georgia Dow. That, that's the entirety of the market. I would play this game. I, Georgia I, would buy 500,000 copies of that game. I, I don't know why we're acting like other people wouldn't play this game. Like, have you seen fighting games? It basically already is a panda fighting a spaceship as is. Like, we're just improving on an already ridiculous form. Right. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So who's going to learn what? So we're going to need a modeler. We're going to need someone to specialize in interface design. We're going to need, um, you know, we're going to have to figure out what engine we're going to use. I'll do all the modeling just like in Rev60. Your CEO. Oh. Oh, I thought you'd do all the work, Bri, and we just give you ideas that, that will, and expect you to implement them by the end of the day. Right. Yeah. We'll hire that of, out. Is it Brianna in charge of implementing? You're chief of implementation. Okay. Right. You do everything. Okay. So if you look at, like, um, you know, Skullgirls, uh, you know, they 
calculated that just adding the new art for a single character download costs them $30,000. So with that assumed, how much do you think, how much operating capital do you think we'll need to make our game here? I would well, guess... Well, we only have two characters. Two characters? Okay. <laughs> no, we need okay. more than two characters. We do need we, to have like have six to, have to nine characters. If Can't it's we just be make two game. characters and then make them different colors and call them different names? I think we can get away with that a couple times, but I don't, yeah. I mean, like, we can do, like, a Ken Ryu scenario, like, once, I think. But we can't just keep doing it. We gotta Well, we can do that shot. for the humans. There should mm-hmm. be, like, one token human, because some people like to play as humans. I, I never understood that. Well, those that. people are wrong. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you can play as a monster or a human, why would you want to play as a human? That's boring. Yeah, I play as a human in real life. That's right. I, yeah. I feel like we can't have a human because it's going to look too different and, and it'll be too complicated. Yeah, but, I agree with that. Mm, humans uh, are too hard to animate. I okay, know. So are we going to say are we going to say eight characters like? Or Street why don't Fighter? we just make them geometric shapes? Like one person's the circle, one person's the square. <laughs> Circles aren't interesting. Georgia, have you been listening to Particle Man by They Might Be Giants again? I feel like okay. So this is a two D fighting game, right? It's not three D. So I don't know. We're talking about our features. I'm assuming two D because I okay. know nothing, and therefore I assume that will be easier for us. <laughs> no, it would be easier. Yeah, I think two D would. We be could easier. use the new paper uh, APIs in Unreal Four. But the spaceships have really cool, interesting, complex, and bizarre shapes. Right, but we can yes. show that off in the special attacks. We don't have to create a three D. We could make it like it. like um like like paper puppets. And then, like, the finishing move is, like, they tear the other paper in half and stuff. Can we, can't we just, like, remake Clay Fighter? We could. Like, Claymation? Yeah. That game was awful. Was it? I don't. I never actually played it. I just remember watching it. I don't no, think I've ever was, actually played it. It was not very good. Okay, so but, but I wait, think... Wait, wait, yeah, wait, wait. wait. But the other thing is, I think the environments are really important because in a lot of fighting games, uh, like, you pick the background, but it really doesn't make any difference. I mean, some games, like... You know, there's a ledge you can fall off or, or whatever, but in a lot of games, it really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And I think that there, if it's spaceships, there's a lot of cool possibilities. So you're thinking of it more as Dissidia. Or like Smash, where there, maybe there's like a meteor shower or something that people have to evade while they're fighting. Or like the, the big Cyclops guy from Mega Man. But can we afford a background? Backgrounds aren't very expensive, but if we're talking about like features here, so... You know, I'm guessing, and this is just a rough guess, that to just get a prototype of this game out the door, it's going to cost about half a million dollars uh, based on what we're talking here. Uh, Because we've all got to eat while we're making the game. And, you know, know, Unreal's costs are pretty negligible. The art costs are going to be low. We can probably get that done for $100,000. We're going to need a back-end engineer, which will be, you know, assuming Maddie can learn that, and then we will pay her $200,000 a year to do that. Um, You know, like, I think about half a million is going to be what we're going to need to make this game. So how are we going to raise half a million dollars? On the spirit of our charisma and the fact that we have no skills, but we're all really, really pretty. Okay. <laughs> so Kickstarter then. <laughs> yeah, Kickstarter, right? That's like super easy, right? All you have to do is just put it up and then it's funded in like a second with no work, right? Isn't that? No, that's right. Yeah. Running a Kickstarter, when we did it for Rev60, it took an entire month of my life away from Dove. So, yeah, I have to say like half a million dollars on Kickstarter is very, very ambitious. But you, we could do like $100,000 and you get to have like like dinner with the four of us. No, that wouldn't <laughs> that be. could be one of the rewards. Reward. No, Only yeah. with Tibachi. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh. yeah. 
So I guess, you know, this whole thing that I'm trying to do here, like, you know, I am inundated with people all the time that kind of, you know, they think that like being a dev is all about these ideas. But the truth is like, you got this, all of us together and we started talking and do you see how it's like five different people running in five different directions (laughs) and it's just crazy. And yeah, the truth is the reality of game development is it's sitting down having a budget. It's really asking yourself, like, is this idea marketable? Am I going to get a return on investment? And very often it's looking at the people that you have and can attract to your game and kind of looking at that. So, Mm -hmm. you You know, it's like, I feel like there's this idealism about about indie games that kind of causes us to lead to failure. Does that make sense to you? Like, you'll get people, it's like the idea itself is awesome, and that's what they really believe in, without really thinking through all the parts around it. So, I don't well, know. if everyone yeah. were realistic like that, there would be no way. <laughs> yeah, that's really true. So, Well, this is what we talked about a couple weeks ago with Peter Molyneux, too. Like, yeah, it absolutely you know, where is. Where Peter Molyneux yeah. just comes up with crazy ideas and says, okay, make it work, guys. Right. And yeah, I mean, I mean, it's like I have this idea for time-traveling dinosaurs playing guitar. And it's like, hey. do they eat George Washington or not eat George Washington? That's the gameplay. And, like... <laughs> Um, why would you not want to eat George Washington? It's really like just one button, though. Like, do you eat him or not? That actually sounds really easy to make. Frank, Wu, Frank Wu's time-traveling visual novel. Right. Yeah, right, right, yeah, right, yeah. That's, right, that's, right. That's, well, see, the thing is, the less you know about what actually happened in history, the more fun the game is. Mm-hmm. Because the more, like, possibilities are. Like, All right. Yes, dinosaurs actually did fight Nazis. All right. Um, Go ahead. Uh, I had a point here. I, so. <laughs> so, so, oh, no, 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 no. So, so, wait, wait. But the indie teams can, like, think of, like, crazy, like, nonsense things like this that, like, a AAA wouldn't touch with a 10-foot stick. That's very true, Frank. So here's my other question here. So you hear all of us talking right now. You can see how, like, we're five different people running in five different directions. How do you lead a team like that? Like, do you get one person to kind of pound their fist on the table? Like, think realistically. Like, how do you, how would you manage to, like, set up a structure for the five of us to work together? You'd have to have one person who has the ability to say no is what it, is what it comes down to. You have to have yeah. somebody who's the CEO. You have to have Frank here who's going to say, ideally, say no to some of our ideas and tell us when when things are going too far, what we can and can't afford. And honestly, he's going to also have to tell us when our ideas are bad. Yeah, <laughs> and and maybe you know go easy on us, but but frankly, say no when when things aren't a good idea for the game. Somebody has to be in charge, or else it's never going to work. But I'm, the trick is with that, it's very demoralizing on an indie team to pay, tell people no, because they're on the team to bring their ideas to fruition. And, you know, a huge part of being on an indie team is just being nice enough to people so they'll stick around and continue working with you. But, I mean, part of it is, okay, so I was on a 48-hour film festival of thing project where there were two people that were directing the movie, and it was a disaster. There has to be one person in charge for a project, and then the next project, the other person gets to be in charge. It's like a super group where you have, like, a whole bunch of songs, and, like, Bob is in charge of this song, Jim is in charge of this, the next song, Sue is in charge of that song, and and you switch off. Yeah. But, like, you can't have everybody in charge of everything at the same time. Yeah, yeah. All right, so last question, then we'll get to some of the big news for the week. So how are are we going to market this thing? A lot of indies, they make the mistake that, like, hey, we're just going to tweet our stuff out, and that's going to be it. Like, what's what's our marketing plan for our game right now? 
Yeah, we probably have to go to conferences. Something viral where people are really scared. And we tell them that they, in order to learn how to fight these real live robot pandas that are taking over the world, they have to play our game. Our game is the salvation of the planet. How do you get a panda, Georgia? How do you, how do you acquire a panda to let loose in a convention? No, but that would be ridiculous, Steve. They're not real pandas. They're, they're oh, robot okay. pandas. The robot pandas. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, oh, well, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be ridiculous, Steve. Yeah, robot pandas <laughs> from the past and yeah. the future. Mm-hmm. Do the robot pandas eat George Washington? Our idea is a f- campaign of fear. <laughs> yeah. Fear sells. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Have yeah. you not yeah. seen politics? Keep fear? Fear sells. No, this isn't. This is not a political game at all. It's there's nothing political about <laughs> politics it. Politics don't belong in games, guys. Ever, ever. Well, no, I think it's all ever. collusion. Is what it has to be. Ever. Okay. You have to have lots of collusion. That's yeah, how you market your game. Yeah, we need to um, find a games journalist and collude with them. At least one. <laughs> and um, after that, I think it's all simple. I mean, it'll be really easy because you've already put a former games journalist on your game development team. And right. I already know a bunch of other games journalists. And since I've been to parties before in my life, that means that I automatically can get those other journalists to do exactly what I want and say anything I want. So you're pretty much golden, I think. I mean, you know. Yeah, that makes sense to me. So, all right. So we're putting Maddie Myers in charge of ma- of marketing and backend. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just okay. not at the same time. Yeah. Well, I don't ever have to do those two things at once. Either I'm, right. I'm programming or I'm colluding. I never do. I never try to combine those two. Okay. Okay. Uh, Georgia, Will you rap what? about our game. <laughs> yeah. Also, also, I'm going to release an exclusive poke rap about our game. You just no. You just release a viral video. Baby got back end. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm going to also record Baby Got Back End to be the exclusive single that appears in our video game. Okay. Oh, it's like Night Trap. That's perfect. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to have a lot of synthesizers. Steve, that is the funniest thing you've ever said on the show. <laughs> I, I should be sleepy more often, I guess. No, that's great. <laughs> uh, so, Steve, other than making great jokes, what job are you going to step up and fill on this production team? We still need people to do art. We're going to need people to do interface work. You basically do the animation systems. Um, what do you want to specialize in? Well, you don't want me doing art because I can barely draw a stick figure. So okay. I guess that would be interface work then. You want to do the interface work and all the, the controls and the the round system? Okay. Okay. Georgia, what, what are you going to be doing? Are you going to be doing our art? I'm doing the art. Have you not seen the hand turkey? You can't do the art, Frank. You're, you're already the CEO. You can't do both. Did you see that hand turkey? Yeah, Georgia's all over it. I love your hand turkey. Please. Can you draw spaceships? Yeah. Did you see the hand turkey? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, I mean, from going from hand turkeys to spaceships is really a very short leap. I think it's really great how qualified we all are. I just feel so strong and powerful right now. Like, I feel like our game is going to be really great, you know? Right. Yeah. It feels like it's got a good direction. (laughs) (laughs) It will take over all other games. I would say that the three of us on the team are equally prepared to make the game. That's how I feel about it. This is probably true, Maddie. It's probably true. Yeah. All right, fantastic. Well, we'll get to it's it. It's going to be awesome. We'll get to it. So, all right. Do, do you guys want to get into some news? Yeah, we should probably. So, <laughs> What's the game going to be Thank called? Yeah, what do we call it? What do we call Baby got back end. Baby got back end. That sounds awesome. Uh, I don't even know all if right. I want to make that Thanks. the title because I don't know if I want to spoil it. 
It's of the episode, the not the game. The game, yeah. of course, that's that's a that's All a right. game. Thanks for sharing my crazy ideas. All right, love you, baby. Bye. Bye, Frank. Bye. Go- yeah, that's the first time isymmetric listeners have ever met Frank. I've heard. No, well, at the live show. Yeah, they met. Yeah, him at the live show. that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they actually yeah. saw him at the live show if they watched the video. Yeah. <laughs> Why is that funny? <laughs> that happened. That was real. Well, that it was, was funny because real... Frank ran into to like he double team monster mania me alongside Georgia. <laughs> See, he could. How do you know that he's not stealing your pillow right now? He could because I'm looking at my pillow. Right oh, okay. Now. Yeah, <laughs> she takes it with her everywhere just in case. I do. When Frank gets right. up to the go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, he carries his pillow with me. <laughs> I would. I would too if I was at his place. <laughs> Wow. Because he knows I'll steal it. That's totally true. I swear that's true. Oh, that's uh, great. So, uh, so Bloodborne came out this week, which a lot of people are uh, very excited about. Apparently, um, so Bree, you got to play it. Do you have any? Do you want to talk about the game? Because I mean, I, all I've been doing is reading reviews from people who are saying things like, "I've only played forty hours, but I'm not qualified to actually write a full review, so this is just impressions." <laughs> Uh, Sorry, literally. I don't I don't think that's funny at all. And literally, I'm not I even laugh. making that up. I no, I'm serious. This is a very serious show. This is very serious. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, do you, you know, so you got you got it last night. What are your do you want to talk about what the game is? I mean, the game is a the game is basically from the Dark Souls people. Yeah. Right? So, it's one of these horribly difficult, really bloody games where you die about a million times and and eventually get to move five feet. Is that basically what the game is? Yeah, that's basically it. (laughs) Um, You know, so I had read none of the coverage whatsoever. Um, I'd heard the title Bloodborne, but I I literally knew nothing about it. And, um, you know, I got back into town this week and everybody, like, my Twitter is just exploding, talking about Bloodborne. Every site is talking about Bloodborne. All dudes, by the way. And, uh, you know, so it's like I can't escape it. And, you know, I'm I'm naturally professionally curious. So uh, I went through and did Bite the Bullet and spent $60 on it. And uh, it's got terrible, you know, female character creator syndrome. Like, it's really bad. (laughs) Uh, How's the hair? It's better than Dragon Age, but okay. that's not saying much. Uh, low um, bar, well, low bar to clear. At least there, are, yeah. at least there, there is a female character option, so that's something. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, is yeah. True. The Souls games you can play as a lady as well. Yeah, so. yeah, but it's 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 just not the best. The interface is terrible with it. Um, you boot up the game, you get this kind of gothic, um, very penny dreadful like universe you're living in, and nothing's explained, and you're you're left through, and then this monster comes and kills you, and then you're in a cemetery, and then after stumbling around and going through a million modal dialogues, like you eventually click on the one thing in this field to like escape and go back to this area in like, you know, again, penny dreadful era. And uh, it's actually more Dickinsonian London. But, um, you know, and then you're out there. It's like you get murdered. You get murdered again, again, and again, and again, and again. And I don't know how I'm getting murdered. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. I don't understand how to get better. Um, there's no tutorials, no walkthrough, nothing. Um, so, so is the know, point of the game not to get murdered? Yes, I think. Well, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Okay. I, I don't know. I don't know why my character's killing people. I don't know why I'm there. I don't know why I'm sticking blood into my body. Um, I just don't know. Um, 
and it's it's hardcore. It's like Ninja Gaiden, uh, the Xbox version of it, except it's uh, much much slower animations. And you know, to be fair, I was talking to Patrick Klepek about it, and you know, he he's somebody I trust. I tend to agree with his reviews, and you know, he's saying like if you stick with it, you get better at combat, and the fun in this game is about like pushing through this ridiculous difficulty and not knowing where to go or what to do and kind of mastering a game you see that the thing is is that like that's like like real life yeah, yeah. <laughs> i i play games to escape from real life drudgery no i couldn't agree more and yeah you know, for me my game time is so immensely valuable um you know i'm actually only at home for six days all month if you extrapolate that out for like the next eight weeks, it's like barely over a week that I'm here. So, you know, like my time at home is very, very precious. Uh, so I don't know. Um, I feel like it wouldn't be journalistically ethical to like give a, a grand pronouncement on this game when, you know, I have only played it for a few hours and when it's clearly the kind of game that it takes a lot of time to get into. But I thought maybe we could spin it out into a bigger discussion with the group about, you know, Maddie, you had a really great tweet talking about how I <laughs> hope I don't have to play Bloodborne because everyone else is. And I don't think that's a joke. I think that's a real feeling. It wasn't that... a joke at all. <laughs> it was not a joke. I I was talking about coming up with column topics for this week, and I did eventually come up with some topics that are not Bloodborne. But um, I just tweeted about it and... Uh, make a fury on twitter she tweeted back at me and was like why don't you write something about bloodborne and bayonetta and like really hard games and i just responded and was like i don't want to have to buy bloodborne i just i want to see if i can manage to dodge this bullet as a freelance games writer like i managed to evade dark souls because i know i'm not gonna like it i did eventually buy dark souls one on sale and i played some of it and i get it i get why people like it but it's just not my thing and I, I just, I want to see if I can avoid this one. <laughs> like I'm willing to, I'm willing, I told you guys in the isometric chat, I'm willing to swallow this bullet and play it for the show. If y'all want to know my opinions, but I'm pretty sure I know what they're going to be because I recently reviewed this other game, La Mulana, which I talked about on the show. And a lot of people have compared La Mulana to Dark Souls, even though it's a 2D puzzle platformer, because it's so difficult. And the reason why La Mulana is difficult, the reason why Dark Souls is difficult, and I think the reason why Bloodborne is difficult is because there's no signposting for the player at all. There's just no indication of what you're supposed to do. And all that you can do as a result is wander around and try to fight these different skeletons or whatever and like if the skeleton's too hard then you go okay guess i'm not supposed to be fighting this skeleton i guess i better go into a different room and fight a different skeleton until i find the skeleton who's easy and then i'll know i'm in the right room and that to me is just a very frustrating way to design a game and the idea that that means that it's difficult or that i'm somehow too stupid to understand i i don't know i that really turns me off as a game design choice personally mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I had a little bit of a tizzy on Twitter today because I was reading some of the reviews of this game. Just trying. I mean, I've played Dark Souls 2 for a little bit, enough to know that I, it is not for me. So I know <laughs> that I really don't need to play this game. Um, but there was a, a review on Eurogamer that really just kind of hit me the wrong way 
because it starts out with the first paragraph. It says it's talking about the, the series. And the thing that it says is they are games that treat the player like an adult. Ooh. <laughs> and, and that just really, really set me off because it's like I I don't have a problem with people liking these games. Like I understand there is. It's a niche game. I don't. I don't really agree with the fa- how much coverage it's gotten based on the fact that it's a niche game and kind of making it seem like it's something that everybody should play. When I don't think that that's the case, but that's a different story. But the fact that there, the implication being that any games that are not this difficult and this inscrutable are kid games, which is basically what it's saying when it's saying that these games treat the player like an adult. It's saying that everything else treats them like a kid really kind of graded on me as somebody I mean we had a lot of conversations on this show about being willing to to drop down to easy mode to get through a game. Well, but also can I just like interrupt for a second? Like I am I really don't like it when people imply that I'm stupid or bad yeah. at games. Yeah. Because I've made it really clear on this show that Bayonetta is one of my favorite games and that game's pretty freaking hard <laughs> and like I really like fighting games and there's certain types of difficulty that I really enjoy and like I've played all the Metroid games some of those are pretty hard like I I don't want people to think that this is because I don't I can't handle the type of difficulty that these games offer I would say that the type of difficulty that I cannot do and maybe this makes me stupid. Fine. Is the part where the game lets you get lost. Yeah. And exactly. lets you die because you have gotten lost and assumes that you will psychically know where to go. That kind of difficulty that does not rely on my reflexes, my ability to remember combos, my ability to create a good weapon layout, my ability to like find the right types of leveling up spells or whatever mechanic the game has. Those skills are not employed. Just getting lost kills you. I can't abide that. That isn't even how real life works. Like real life, there are road signs. Like <laughs> I can find things. GPS is a thing. Yeah. Like... Well, even before GPS was a thing, the sun setting and rising <laughs> was a thing. The North Star was always a thing. Like I can't. Uh, uh. <laughs> I like this version of Maddie, by the way. Can I just say that? What's yeah. up? Oh, and another thing. Some guy got angry at my tweets and i'm just gonna respond to this guy for a second because this is my show no okay listen. So- <laughs> wow <laughs> go um, go maddie go i like she hulk maddie go ahead <laughs> a guy looked at my tweets about bloodborne and i feel like he misunderstood them because he tried to make this argument that was like saying that he wasn't only buying Bloodborne because he was some bro gamer, but because he genuinely likes the game and he feels like it's really difficult in the way that he likes and he doesn't want people to make fun of him for liking it. And that's fine. Honestly, if these kinds of games are your thing, I'm seriously not judging you. Just because they frustrate the heck out of me, I that doesn't mean that I think you're a jerk or something. Like, please don't send me angry tweets about how you love Dark Souls. I get it. You really like getting lost and fighting a skeleton that's too hard for you. That's okay with me. It's not my thing at all, though. But, Maddie, we all have to feel the same way. If you have oh. a differing opinion, that's, yeah, that's offensive a great and you have to stop that. You're right. <laughs> And if I have an opinion, then it means that I believe all people with a different opinion are horrible and should die. That's Which is true. 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 I think this gets into this kind of toxic gamer identity, which 
Yeah, maybe it's just because I've been targeted by Gamergate for, you know, what, seven months now? But I'm just so freaking tired of this. Like, people that wrap up their identity and the fact that they can consume a certain type of game. And I think yeah. that's what puts me off this this coverage, Steve, because it's like you were an adult. Or it's like our press, which, by the way, doesn't really hire women, is having all these dudes, like, sing its praises. When I don't think this is a game that appeals to the masses. I think you're dead on there, Steve. Yeah, I think it shows one of the huge biases of our industry. That's a monoculture of a very specific kind of gamer. Um, that, that gets represented. But even beyond that, the amount of static and hate I got on Twitter for you know, just saying, like, I shot out a few tweets saying, I don't enjoy Dark Souls. I, mean, I don't enjoy Bloodborne. This is not fun to me. I had people calling me a fake gamer when I'm a freaking game developer. Yeah. And yeah. I got, it's, it, it's just sexism. It is just plain old sexism for a dude to wander into my Twitter and to accuse me of, like, to assume that I'm a bad gamer, just like they do that to you, Maddie, Absolutely. with Bayonetta. And, like, it's the just people... sexism. Who were talking to me were talking to me as though I'm not good at games. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like if you can't handle this game, then you're not worthy to be in the space, and that's crap. I, yeah. I, that, it just makes me so friggin' angry because uh, I can't even talk. It makes me so angry. Like that, that implication, and it's like we're all good at different kinds of things too. Like there are people who are really good at one kind of game and bad at another kind of game. That doesn't mean I'm gonna go into their space and tell them that they're stupid like just friggin' be polite to other people about their preferences and if i say i don't like bloodborne it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that i hate you if you do like it like this is so basic but it's a conversation that apparently gamers aren't ready to have like apparently either we all like bloodborne and we all play bloodborne and we all like march in lockstep about it or none of us are gamers like that it's ridiculous that that's even an assumption you yes know, that's that's treating you like an adult right and, and i think <laughs> that and the right. thing the thing yeah. about this game right is that this is what i was saying on twitter today too is that this is a game that is built for people who review video games for a living right <laughs> because it's it's the kind of game that requires a really intense time commitment, and mm -hmm. it requires a lot of skill that's developed by spending a lot of time playing difficult video games. So this is the kind of game that, of course, is going to uh, appeal to a lot of professional game, game reviewers because of that. So it's a niche game, but because the, it, the reviewers are really excited about it, it, it seems like when you're a normal person who's reading Kotaku or Polygon or Eurogamer or whatever, it seems like this is a game that everybody should play based on the amount of coverage that it's getting. And I think that that really, for somebody who's trying to, you know, get into console games, I think that's really kind of doing them a disservice because they're not telling they're not reporting it such that look this is not a game for everybody but if you like this kind of game you will really like it i mean some of it is but it's the, the amount of coverage is is contrary to that so when you are a normal person yeah. somebody who's just getting into it who picks up this game because all the gaming blogs are talking about it and you can't get it and you feel stupid that's going to turn you off from that too i mean yeah. like that isn't even how the dark souls game started out like when demon souls came out it was more of like a cult classic. And and I would say like the original fandom for Dark Souls was not huge. It was a, a minority of people who were like, you have to really stick with this game in order to figure it out. And somehow that cult fandom 
ended up like blowing up into this weird gamer hipster confluence of people who are like these games are difficult but in a really specific way that you just don't understand man <laughs> and like i don't really understand how it happened and i do feel sorry for the people who genuinely like these games and get assumed to be that kind of person even when they're not and they don't actually care whether or not people like them but unfortunately there are a lot of dark souls fans who are really stuck up and really condescending at yep. this point to anybody who doesn't like getting lost in the skeletons i think that a lot of it has to do with like group dynamics like once you are sat with oh, yeah. what is your group and and what type of um you know, culture your group has and that's starting to change or people talk against the group. It's almost like you're talking against the people that deal with it. So anything that you feel exceptionally strongly about, if anyone speaks against that, we take like, it's almost like a video game. We take psychic damage from that. And it often hurts someone's feelings as if they're being personally attacked. And interestingly enough, um, our brain chemistry reacts the exact same way as, then as if we are being physically attacked. So we go oh. through the natural fight or fl flight response. If someone, something that's very close to you, someone says, you know what, I actually disagree with that game. And a lot of people find, take games very, very personally and react really strongly if anyone has a different feeling to them because that's their escape or that's their time for fantasy or that's where their heart is. And so you speak against this game, they take it as like, you're speaking against me. Right. And I think the other part mm -hmm. is that people don't want their group to change because that's part of their identity and that's really scary to them. And so if suddenly we're redefining to some people what gaming is and what gamers are, they take offense because that was comfortable to them. They were in the in-group and they don't want the out-group to suddenly become part of the in-group because change is hard. And scary, and they don't know if that means that the next thing that will happen is that they will be ousted from the group. And so we often try, I think that that's why change is hard. And I think that that's why a lot of different groups of people try to keep the rules exactly the same and be a little bit more exclusionary than is necessary. But change is going to happen no matter what. So, you know, you have to go with the flow or, you know go with the dinosaurs. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I, that one of my imme immediate reactions to everybody doing this is it felt to me like when I, back when I was high, in high school and everybody was concerned with how much everybody could bench. And it, and it just, it just felt like <laughs> yeah. that kind of like how, <laughs> you know, like how, how tough are you that you can get through this game? And it's just like, I went right back to high school. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't want to have anything to do with any of this crap. And <laughs> just, you know, like reflexively, like, no, thank you. I'm out. How much can you bench Steve? Um, yeah, seriously. I, some sort of a non-zero number, but I'm not sure what it is. I can bench the bar. <laughs> I, I might be able to do that. How how much how much is the bar oh, though? That's forty pounds. I can bench a pixie <laughs> like, stick. There we go. Oh, <laughs> I I can bench forty pounds see? as well. There Georgia. we go. You can Let's be on my wrestle. team then. Uh. Georgia, can I tell you how <laughs> proud I am that you're on the show? Like I always think that like you're. No, I'm not being sarcastic right now. <laughs> that's what like, I was waiting for too. No, I really mean that. Like, I think, I think, like you bringing psychological analysis to these discussions is so helpful. And yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Talking about like you have people that kind of had defined themselves as being on the the outside for so long, and now they have a tribe, and they're very protective of that identity. And I can, I can really see like literal fight or flight responses kicking in. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. That's why we do things that are not really like when we're in that fight or flight response or we're really upset about something, our working memory gets shut off. And that's why we'll say, do stuff. And you're like, that was probably a little dumb or, or overly, you know, explosive or expensive. Yeah, a little bit. We went, we go too far. It's just because yeah, our working memory gets shut off so that we can make sure to not overthink which way should I go when the tiger's chasing me and just run. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I I guess I feel you know, Maddie. This is this is kind of getting into Final Fantasy, uh, you know, Type Zero, and you know. So I had a really weird experience with this, where I'm playing Dark Souls. I'm, I'm sorry, Bloodborne, and I'm playing it. And I'm I'm angry. I'm angry because I feel like there's all this assumptions in game design language and the way we play games that assumes violence is the only mechanic by which we can interface with the world. I actually went through the games on my shelf the other day and name just went through and got all the games where killing things was the primary point of the game and is the vast, 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 vast majority of them. Um, In fact, the pretty much the only ones that weren't were like sports games. I feel like that is such a dated idea at this point. Like part of the language that you have to kill things is the primary game mechanic. But then I put in Final Fantasy Type Zero and I was expecting a more narrative, substantive experience. And unlike you, I loved the opening cutscene. I thought it was very powerful. Um, <laughs> but right. but then good. we go straight back to mash, 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 kill, 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 follow the radar. And yes, it's easier. Mm-hmm. But it just feels like, to me, I, I feel like, and I'm going to have a, an op-ed in a major magazine really soon about this, but it feels like we are trying to solve the wrong problem in video games. It feels like the industry is saying like, hey, we want our identity back. Bloodborne is it. This is where we need to go as an industry. We're going to talk to you like an adult. And to me, um, I I don't mean this sarcastically. I I think it's not a coincidence on Star Trek when they have their off time on the holodeck. You know, Captain Janeway doesn't go slaughter billions of Borg. You know, she goes and interacts with holodeck people from different ages and like talks to them and interacts with them in a in a novel way though she though there she does get to kill and slaughter a whole bunch of board in does. real life she yeah. does she so, does but you know, you know when you when you work at mcdonald's you don't eat the hamburgers you know but right but my point is like the ultimate game in that universe is simple human expression in different time periods and, and interaction with people and i feel like we're going i feel like our industry is just really hell-bound on solving the wrong problem and I think back to this moment all the time when I'm watching Frank play Super Mario Brothers World 1-1. And he doesn't understand that the longer he holds down B is the higher he jumps. And I'm not saying that to make fun of him. I'm saying that there's a language that all of us sitting here are very familiar with that normal people just aren't tuned into. And I think this kind of kill everything modal design is just really taking us in the wrong direction. And I guess it's a little bit stale as well, right? Like, yeah, we've done yeah. that. I'm bored. I'm yeah. bored. Yeah, no, I am let's too. explore other things. Like, and there are know, examples I, of other types of games, but there are very, very few. And even Civilization is ultimately about fighting and colonizing. Like, I, I, I mean, like, another, I talked about 80 Days on the show last week, and that's one recent example. But also, um, I just started playing Life is Strange Episode 2 because I'm going to review that this week and I can talk about it in what we're playing later. But those are examples of games where the primary mechanic is talking to other people and having social dynamics. And I 
I love those games so much for that reason, because they're completely different from anything else that I play. Like, just worlds away from like Street Fighter 2, which I played for many hours yesterday. Like, and then, and then to play Life is Strange today, it's like a completely different world in a good way. And I think it's sad that there aren't more examples that I, I can only think of those two in recent memory. The Katamari that, games are really the only other one that I can think of. I mean, you're, I guess technically the people are probably dying when you're rolling them up into the ball. But, yeah, you know. technically they are, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's also creation games, which are, are really powerful. And I, I think that like, you like know, the creation, Sims or yeah, Sims creation City. and or destruction are, yeah. are two things that are, yeah, yeah. Uh, that we, we get to deal with thing, with something. And I think that there's a lot of different sim, sim games that are, you're simulating, you know, different things that you want to do, uh, like, you know, and, and getting to experience what it would be like to be, you know, fly a plane or run an airport or, you know, Black something or do hairdressing <laughs> or, yeah, <laughs> make cupcakes. Be a spaceship that fights other spaceships. Right, with pandas. Yeah, well, of course with pandas. Right. We don't have to make the spaceship game a fighting game, Brie. You've convinced okay. me. Okay, it, it, can be, right. it can be a dating sim. I just, I just really felt... <laughs> I, I feel like... I feel... You know, all of us except for Maddie here are Mac people. And... <laughs> <laughs> Own a Mac. Wow. I don't understand this. Uh, the hatred's going to happen, Maddie. I'm so sorry for your Twitter. There, if you look at the history of, of Apple, and I don't mean to call Apple fangirl, but there are repeated moments with that company where they looked at something empirically, and everyone was doing the wrong thing. They did it with the iPod. You know, they eventually did it with OS 10, though it took them a while. You know, they did it with iOS. They did it with the iPhone. And, you know, I was dead wrong on all those things. Like MP3s, I loved my Rio MP3 player. Um, you know, the the iPod Touch, I had an iPod Touch before I had iPhone. And I was like, this thing is so simple, it's stupid and boring. Um, but by taking a fresh look at it, they kind of figure out what the basic problem was and reinvented it. And to me, Bloodborne really shows how much our entire freaking industry just doesn't get it. They have no concept of what people want. They have no concept of the rut that they're stuck in. They have no concept of the design assumptions that we go through. Maddie, you love Final Fantasy Zero. And I have to tell you, I'm playing it, and that game is making me crazy. It's more modal dialogues for no reason. It <laughs> is um, it's a bunch of interstitial scenes that don't really make sense with um, like objectives that don't make sense. And it's 2015. If I'm doing something in a game, I want to have emotional impact beyond follow this thing on a radar and kill something. And yeah. I just, I feel like our entire, I feel like video games are just failing. I feel like... I don't know about you guys. I'm kind of bored with being a gamer because yeah. I've done all this. I've done it for 30 years and I want us to go into a new direction. And, you know, giant space guy is going to be hell bent on taking us in a new direction. Cause I'm, I'm sick of this garbage. Yeah. I mean, I've been feeling the same way. I've been bouncing from game to game and it's like, I've played all this stuff already. Like yeah. I want something different. And yes. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about how AAA is kind of leaving me behind in, in specifically yeah. because yeah. you know, it's just because of the time that, you know, regardless of everything else, even just I have maybe an hour or two a night to play any games like this if I wanted to. And it's like, I'm never going to get through this game, even if I wanted to. It's the same th problem that I have with Dragon Age, where yeah. I'm never getting out of the hinterlands. And it's like, I can't play these games anymore. I can't I want to be able I can't I can't play these games even around my kids. This is the same thing I was saying last week, too. 
so even the content aside, just like me being able to play these games, I'm just buying less of them because I know I'm not going to get an opportunity to play them. Well, how do you feel about stuff like Life is Strange and Gone Home, where it's a shorter game and it's more focused on like dialogue options and collection and exploration? I, I, I like we'll... it. I like it a lot. I like. I mean, I haven't bought episode two yet, but I I really liked episode one when I played it, and I'm looking forward to episode two. I mean, I also played a, a game called Zeo Drifter this week that was on sale for five dollars. It was like a two and a half hour game that I felt that I played through the whole thing, you know, in the weekend, and I felt really satisfied by that. Yeah. You know? I mean, like, I'm probably, I ordinarily feel about as end of the world with this stuff as you guys do, but I feel pretty good right now because I just was playing some Life is Strange. So I'm feeling very like, it's all going to be okay. Video games are going to figure it out. I'm not saying, no, I'm not, <laughs> saying, that, I'm not saying that, gaming is, that gaming is doomed, but I feel like AAA is just, you know, they're putting yeah. out the same stuff and it's not for Life me anymore. Life is Strange is probably the most important game that has come out this year yeah, I and i don't that. think anything i i think it's gonna be a very very strong contender for game of the year because it's the only game i see that's trying to solve a new problem but i i mean i agree with you but but life is strange episode two came out this week and i saw barely anybody talking about it whereas my entire twitter is bloodborne yeah. like right yeah, I saw one review of episode two like today, and there and everything on the gaming box has been bloatborn all week, and that's that's sad because I feel like that's a game that really deserves to get a lot more attention than it does. And it's, I think it know. speaks to the problems of you know diversity that our industry has. And again, it's a monoculture. It's a monoculture. I'm sorry, I looked at Bloodborne this week, and when I see that happening, I look up the, I, I look at who's covering it. And it is invariably, like, some of these people are my friends, but it's the same type of gamer again and again and again and again. And, you know, the truth is they don't have Manny Myers working at those magazines, you know. So I, I think it speaks to, I, I've said it a million times, I think the lack of diversity of people that cover games massively tilts coverage towards a very specific kind of gamer. And I think it does the rest of us a disservice. I agree with that. Maddie, do you agree with that? Yeah, obviously. (laughs) Give me a job. (laughs) Anyway, well, why don't why don't we why don't we take a break and earn some money? So uh, (laughs) yeah, yeah. So uh, this episode of Isometric is brought to you by our friends at Squarespace. Uh, Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Squarespace is simple, powerful, and beautiful. They have twenty four seven support via live chat and email, Um, and for only eight dollars a month. Uh, you will get everything that Squarespace has to offer. And if you spy Squarespace for the year, you'll also get a free domain thrown in, which is a fantastic deal. Everything has responsive design, so your website is going to look fantastic no matter what platform your your users are viewing it on. Uh, everything comes with a free online store. Again, as we say all the time, we used it to sell hand turkeys and Revolution 60 comic books, but you can sell you know whatever you want on on your store, and that comes with every site. Uh, they have a cover pages feature that lets you set up just a one-page uh, welcome page to for an event or for any sort of just something that just want to make an impact with your users right away. Uh, they have a development platform. They have Getty, Getty Images support, so you can get access to all the images that the pros use for just $10 a piece. Uh, everything is fantastic. Uh, Bree, every time that we that we do an, a Squarespace site, you've uh, launched like three more sites. So you have you launched anything else in the <laughs> I, past two so weeks? So last last week, did I tell you guys about redoing GiantSpaceCat.com? Yeah, you did. Yeah, so that that should be done. Uh, it took my team. You know, I was on vacation, so I couldn't quite oversee it. But uh, yeah, that's going really well. We're having Kiva draw. Uh, cartoons of all the giant oh, space awesome. cat employees that agree oh. to be on the site, which we have to ask I because they all that. get harassed. 
last. Isn't that great? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, no. And there's there's another one. Um, I've been, my husband, my dear husband, uh, still uses Hotmail. And he is very slow to change. And if you go really? to, yes. Um, if you huh. go to frankwu.com, his website was made in the 90s. And it looks like it's from the 90s. So I have been begging him. I, I spent an entire day on vacation begging him to get on Squarespace with this site. So we're going to see. He agreed to it. We're going to see if we can make it happen. Okay, awesome. Yeah. So uh, so just like Frank Wu, you can start a trial with no credit card required and start building your website today. So when you do decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code Isometric to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for Isometric. So thank you to Squarespace for supporting 5 by 5 and Isometric. Squarespace, uh, build it beautiful. Oh, we, you know what? We Before we go on to the next topic really quick, we have to – I will put a, sh- a link to the show notes to the art that, that Kiva did of the four of us. That was, oh, um, did that she? Was, yeah, she did a, like a little tableau of the four of us and like, a, like a, uh, all four of our portraits laid out, laid out in like so a square. It's so adorable. Yeah, She's so fantastic. good. She makes us look fabulous. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what I love about her art yeah. style. Yeah, so, Kiva, yeah, Kiva's like an amazing artist, and she's we like, all, all that's like, like I've Disney been, characters. Yeah, I've been looking way. at all the stuff that she's been doing for her feminist deck project this week, and it's been it's been amazing to see. Isn't that awesome? Putting, I can't believe there's going to be a video game where you can play an overpowered Brianna card. So you guys, <laughs> when that it. Kickstarter comes out, you have to support her. So we have to blow that up and put the the like cards like 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 so that you can have it like somewhere on the wall. Your card. <laughs> your powers on it. yeah of my Love house it. and i'm like look i will automatically win the game in five rounds look at it. So. <laughs> yes it, it's fun it's funny because as long as i you know as i spent and as much money as i spent playing magic as a kid like seeing like people who i know like in magic cards is really kind of cool so oh. yeah all right so let's let's talk about the um let's talk about the esrb uh, so they are they made an announcement last week that they are going to be expanding the ratings. Uh, they, so the ESRB is the, all the, the ratings that you see in the lower right of uh, video game boxes in physical stores, the E, E10, T, and M that are the equivalent of the MPAA ratings. Um, so they're going to be expanding to uh, digital storefronts. So they're going to be coming to, I believe it's Google Play first. And they're eventually going to be going to uh, the Nintendo eShop, PSN, and Xbox Live. And the only ones who have not agreed to this yet are uh, the apps, the Apple App Store and Steam. But hopefully uh, that will be coming soon because that's a really great tool for parents um, to be able to, at least at a glance. I mean, it's not perfect and you still need to do your research. But it's, it's a really great tool for parents to be able to see what they're getting when they're buying a game and when they're buying a game for their kid. And I use that all the time. When I'm trying to figure out, you know, because the, the ESRB has more detailed ratings on their website, and you can actually get a better idea of what's in the game to figure out if it's something that is going to be appropriate for your kid or not. Uh, I don't know if that's a resource that everybody knows about, but uh, so that that's fantastic news that they're going to be coming to uh, to digital storefronts uh, as very soon. It's it's funny because at at first it it made me feel like I don't want them to, which is funny. I'm a parent, so um, I shouldn't feel that way. But at first I thought. Oh, I don't know about, you know, them rating what they think my, you know, what the games are. And then I'm like, it's probably a tool that I would use quite a lot, though. Yeah, I would think so, too. I guess the only thing that I would be worried about, and Bree, maybe you can talk to this, is, like, how much overhead there would be. I don't, I don't, I guess you would, I guess you really haven't, you probably haven't had any, any interactions with them. I've heard plenty of horror stories about the ESBRB. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I guess, you know, I... 
you know, as a developer, I am mega in support of ESRB. And the reason I am is because I've read my history about them. And I think people don't understand just how close video games were to being regulated by the government in the late 90s with, you know, Senator Lieberman. And, you know, you should definitely go out and read Console Wars, you know, Blake J. Harris's excellent book about this. But, you know, what basically happened is, you know, Nintendo is very kid-friendly. And then Sega kept pushing and pushing gore and violence to kind of gain market share. And as a result of that, you know, you basically had Mortal Kombat uh, pushing it to the point where, you know, Senate, you know our government was basically going to step in and regulate video games. And, you know, a bunch of lobbyists managed to win the day and launch the ESRB, which is a self-regulatory agency um, where you know, bank, a bank of consumers, admittedly it's very you know, staffed by parents, kind of um, you know, basically go through and rate the games. Um, it's not a perfect system, but you know, I, you know, I've told plenty of parents, don't play Rev60. Do not buy Rev60 for your kids. There's stuff in there that will will traumatize them. It's not a game for young children. And, you know, I think it's it's really important that parents have the, the tools that they can to, like, you know, make sure their kids are psychologically safe. That's not a stupid issue to think about. So, you know, I just, I think that this is a very important program. And, and God knows, I could sit here and tell you guys a hundred horror stories about the ESRB. Like Kim Swift, I was doing a panel with her at PAX Prime, and she was telling one about how there was um, a line of code in um, in Portal when it came out uh, that was left over from Half-Life. And when the, the turret shot you, the screen turned red around the edges and she sent it off to them didn't even think about it and you know her game clearly should have been rated e for everyone but they saw that red blood and rated it teen and wouldn't let her like go back and modify the code and remove it even though it would have taken her four seconds i could tell you a hundred horror stories like that but you know at the end of the day it's I, I think we can all agree we don't want government, you know, involved in censoring our games. So I think it's like the pragmatic compromise. Yeah. And it, I mean, it is a good, you know, at the end of the day, even though it's, I imagine it does definitely cause a lot of headaches for developers and it would cause it, it might be some overhead for smaller indie devs to be able to. I don't know if it's going to be mandatory um, when it hits those. I, I imagine that it will be for the console um for the console stores but if it ever comes to steam or the or the app store i don't know if it would be mandatory or not i can't see steam working with them i can't imagine yeah probably not but uh i mean even if they do even if it is a little bit more hassle i mean it's good for parents to have that tool available i mean i use the esrb site all the time to just to get a quick description of what's going on with the with the game to see if it's something that you know my kids are going to want to play or not so George, as a psychologist, I mean, could you could you speak a little bit to? I mean, I I'm not just speaking out of turn to believe that you know, like this is like games can traumatize children. I mean, this can affect their psychological development, right? I mean, this is not a trivial matter, or am I mistaken? Uh, you know, I think that it depends on each child is different, and so I think that you know, some children may react more poorly to violence or they may, you know, scary images. I think that for me, the manner in which like women are treated and the manner in which like just a game that says there's violence may not be something that would bother me. It is the manner in which the violence is, or is it torture? Is it something that there's, there's a great regard for human life and is it human life? And 
I think so. I think that the the problem with the ERSRB is that it is often like your example. It it misses the point on what is actually traumatizing. So if something such as you know Halo, it's not something that's gory. Something someone is not suffering. They get to respawn right away. It's almost similar to a game of tag to children in that way, though they're using weapons or lasers or whatever else it might be. And, and there's other things that are actually more traumatizing, even though there may not be any blood, gore, or violence. It may be malicious. It may be you're trying to malign people. You're trying to harm them. And I think that the, to the psyche of, of children, when they are developing, they are deciding through imagery what is acceptable in their culture and how to react. And the unfortunate thing is that kids have a really hard time about telling the difference between what is reality and what is fake. I remember the first time that my husband and I, when we were young, we didn't think that video games, there's anything wrong with them or there's any cause or <laughs> that we thought that kids would know the difference. And I remember playing, uh, I don't know if, I think it was Street Fighter with our nephews and, you know, they were, I don't know, seven or eight at the time. And I remember when we punched their character on screen, my nephew punched my husband in the face. Oh. And we said, wait a stop. Why did you do that? And he says, well, you punched me first. And oh. we just went, whoa, <laughs> wait a second here. He couldn't separate, you know, and every child does this at a different age. You have to take a look at your children. He couldn't separate the difference between what was happening on screen and what was real life. To him, he was his character. And so, yes, you know, I think that it's a simplistic, you know, way the ASRB is a simplistic way of kind of looking at it. I don't think that it deals with everything. You still should play and look at the games that your children play because they might misread it because there is no actual violence, but it still might be something that might not be great for your child or might be an adult issue that is being handled in a game and you want to be able to know what that is and they may miss it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had a similar experience when the kids were like a couple of years ago. So they were like five and th- eh, five and three, four, six and four, somewhere around that. And uh, we found Justice League on Netflix. And I, I'm like, OK, well, fine. If you guys want to watch Justice League, that's fine. I don't you know, I'm happy with that. And what I noticed is that after they watched an episode or two, they would just start beating the hell out of each other. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, okay, you guys are acting this out. I don't know if you can tell the difference or not, but I think we need to find something else to watch. And, right. and it was the same thing with Marvel Superhero Squad too, which is like a, which is the kitty Marvel Superhero Squad is like the the kitty version of the Marvel of the Marvel. It's really like silly and and kind of stupid, but you know where everybody has like the big chibi heads and whatever, and, and they would do the same thing. And it's like, you know what, we get we can't do superhero stuff for a little while with you guys because you're not you're not be able to handle it yet. And and that's right. the kind of thing that I'm talking about when I'm talking about, you know, at least at that age, when I say not able to handle it, it's not even that I'm worried that they're going to turn into like a tower sniper. It's just that right. I, I'm yeah. worried that they're, you know, they're absorbing messages that they're not, they, their brains just aren't ready to deal with in an appropriate way yet. And I don't want to be, you know, exposing them to that stuff until they're ready for it. That, that's right. what I mean by, you know, we, we talked about that last week too. When I talk, when I say, they're ready for it. I mean, that's what I mean when I say they're ready for it. It's not yeah. that, you know, it's not that they're not going to see this stuff eventually and, and, you know, it's fine, but I just want to make sure that they can process it. Okay. Yeah. And I, I think, I think, you know, Brie, we often, and, and Maddie, we and Steve, all of us talk a lot about 
like the imagery in games and why it's important the way that women are portrayed and men are portrayed and people of different, you know, ethnic origins and diversity. It is important because like we're teaching a new generation of, you know, I don't want them to have to carry stereotypes, misrepresentations of who people are, and they are teaching them. It does make a difference. This is how they learn. They learn but what they watch, see, and especially what they interact with. And so I think that that's Another reason why it's so important to think about the way that you are portraying a whole group of people because I don't want my my boys to grow up thinking that, you know, women are weaker or have certain stereotypes or, you know, if someone is a minority, this is what you can expect of them and then to actually interact with them in that way because that's what a, a game has taught them to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this kind of leads into that art, an article that you wrote today, and I'm more about um, about your approach to screen time with your kids, Georgia. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So, um, I was noticing that um, my kids would often become like, like rude, just really rude and really snippy if they played a long time gaming, and it was they weren't great with regulating after they were done. And I went, you know, I don't want this for them. I love games, and I want them to play, and I think that games are amazing in so many different ways, but I could tell that it was not helping them. And so I have one child that is more, um, more hyper and has a more difficult time with emotional regulation. And so I went, I want them still to be able to play games. I don't want them to not play at all, but I also want them to work on their manners, the manner in which they speak and also their focusing. And so I said, okay, well, why don't we make a trade-off system, a system similar to real life, which is if you do good work, then you get a reward and you may choose to use that reward whichever way that you happen to want to. So we, you know, spoke with them about it and together we went through different skills that they wanted to work on and different skills that uh, we wanted to give them. And they were able to earn, we did it through stickers and they could earn stickers for great behavior, manners, being polite, interacting well with people. And then they could use those to cash in and watch TV or play video games or do other things. I think that one is it, it, gave like it allowed them to regulate time better and they they could choose what they wanted to do with the time and it wasn't just idle but i think that the secondary gain was that they really like practiced and and on their own because they worked together as a team my kids which i guess i didn't mention in the article which i probably should have so they earned together so one would say thank you and if he reminded his brother to say listen hey say thank you as well, they'd get two stickers. So they worked as a team, which I think is is wonderful for them instead of working against each other and one feeling bad. And it also takes a whole bunch of pressure off of me from parenting because they're happy and encouraging each other to use good manners so they both can catch. They're gaming the system, but in the end, they win as well because their manners improved. And it worked for my family and every family is different. And, you know, you have to, it's a lot of work. It really is a lot of work to kind of get set up and I encourage and, and monitor. Uh, but it, it was a huge difference, so much so that, like, I would end up having, and this is not all the time, <laughs> still boys and they do all kinds of normal things, but, uh, like, I would have people saying, you know, wow, your kids were so polite, and they held the door open for me, um, you know, at the restaurant. And it was, it was just nice to see, and then they had a lot of pride in it as well. And then they could, they were also proud of being able to use their stickers to send us on, like, cool trips and to do different stuff. Um, so I really liked that. And, and I think that it also taught them that, that hard work gives you a reward. Do you think a system like that could work with Frank? <laughs> <laughs> it, we are so much, we really are, we are exactly that, right? Reward, 
and um, punishment, right? So if you even just <laughs> notice that someone does something nice and you go, thank you, that was so sweet, it actually does increase the chances that they're going to do it again. So it probably, I would probably work for a sticker chart. Really? I could, get, I could get some giant monster stickers and then if Frank like listened to me right. talking to him right. about a problem right. really well, right. I could give him a sticker. Yeah, dinosaur stickers. Could... Just get a dinosaur sticker and then get a George Washington sticker. Skittles. Then... Skittles would work. I'd work for Skittles. Can I say how much I respect the deviousness of that plan, George? (laughs) Yeah, seriously. That is awesome. You can come in and consult for GSX anytime. Yeah, I I could use you coming in and bringing the hammer down on my kids, but it's, uh, I I mean, we we have, we pretty much, the only rule that we have is that um, we do Kumon, which is this thing to help them with their reading and their math that they have to do a certain number of worksheets a day and their rule is that they don't get any electronics until they've done it which is basically teaching them that this is important and you need to do your work before you have time for fun right and so that's that's basically our rule and then after that it's like you know go nuts if you want to but is that what kuma is you're always texting me that and i always think like you're fighting kuma from tekken like every time you do that yeah they have to fight you know what there there are days that fighting kuma from tekken would probably be uh slightly more pleasant if i was doing that irl as opposed to in you know in the game but okay um but i mean we're also have more challenges because of you know because of the girls on the autism spectrum and uh, you know, we, right. we had, you know, especially my, the, the twin who was on the spectrum had a lot of, she found a lot of comfort in the iPad and it's, right. it's, you know, something that really kind of soothed her. And it's hard to say to the other two, well, you can't have a screen when she has a screen. Right. Hmm. So, you know, we kind of tied our hands a little bit in that regard, but, you know, I think we, we manage it well enough and, and we've, you know, if they misbehave badly enough, then you know, we'll, we'll take away their electronics regardless of whether they've done their work or not. But, you know, it's definitely something that they can lose, but, and, you know, there are just days that they don't and because they decide that they're going to fool around instead of doing their work. And so they don't. Right. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, every, every, everyone is different and I don't think there's any sort of, uh, you know, a, a rule. I mean, I know that there was a question at the parenting panel that I spoke at at PAX about, you know, the, the pediatric guidelines for not, ha- not allowing any screens before age two. And is it going to, you know, ruin my kid if I give my kid an iPad before age two? And, and I think what we all kind of said was you don't want to be doing it all the time, but you know, if it's something that, you know, that also gives you 15 minutes to do the dishes or whatever, I mean, you're a human too, and you need a break. And if that's going to help you be a better parent, then, you know, do, do what you need to do. But I think that moderation is the key and also knowing your child. I think yeah. that Every, every child is different. Every situation is different. Um, you know, in any case, you should know what they are doing. And it's just the, the only thing to that is you want to make sure that your child gets to practice the skills that they actually need. So if you want your kids to learn how to not fight with each other and your, you know, way of dealing with that is to put them onto a computer, they're not actually learning not to fight with each other. They're just having something that is better than them fighting. And there's a difference in that. Um, They need to have the opportunity to fight in order to learn how to deal with rectifying that situation properly. And so um, having my kids have less screen time also helped them become better brothers because they got more time to interact. They were bored, so they'd play together. And then I was able to help them when they had a problem to it. And so, yeah, if you need to, to take a breather take a breather it's first it's survival and parenting is hard um so 
you see what works in your family, and if it works for you, great. Yeah, and there's also something to be said about video games as family time too. I mean, we, we yeah. a lot of a lot of evenings or on weekends we'll play, you yeah. know, Super Mario 3D World or Super Smash Brothers or uh, or Kirby and the Rainbow Curse, even though it's a terrible game and nobody should ever play it. Um, and you know, we'll play those games together, and then that's time that we're spending as a family together too. And there's something to be said for that also. Yeah. So. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. I I know that my endorsement as Aunt Brianna, you know, matters <laughs> a lot. The uh, master parenting corner. But right, I think right. you're pretty good. I think you're yes. a pretty good dad, Steve. Oh, thank you. It, it, I've it never seen be. you with your kids, Georgia. And if they're still alive somehow, I think you're probably a pretty good parent too. Uh. I mostly don't understand how Georgia has time to do all of the things that she allegedly does. I, I don't have any statement to make beyond that. I just allegedly. literally don't. This is, this get is it. why she's taking up falconry so that she can train the falcon to do all the things that she. I just don't she understand she how she is a psychotherapist and she has two kids and she's on like a bajillion podcasts and plays all these games. Like Georgia, I what are you? Well, you didn't do. you just listen to her story? I mean, she's got just, like these devious schemes to let. Yeah, her she's like gamified her life. She's yeah. gamified her children and right. her life, and right. everybody <laughs> runs on her grand design. I guess is how. <laughs> right. I ju- I just have I I'm lucky. I have a really good support system around me. So it's 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 definitely not uh, just me. My my husband, um, you know, watch like you know he's he watches over the kids when I do the podcast and. And uh, so I'm, I'm lucky to that. I'm lucky to that. And if they step out of line, she just growls fear me at them. And then, then, they, then they run away to their oh, rooms. Oh, I got into such trouble on Vector for that. They are not happy about my fear me line. I just I want to say I have to that. say, I, I have to agree with Renee on this <gasps> one. Betrayer! But he's right. It's a <laughs> doesn't even say okay. fear me. I was high or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, no, I, I think Batman doesn't say fear me, but Georgia does. That means it's an original quote from Isometric. It does, we don't have to worry about copyright infringement. That's what her panda robot says. Right. We're the B-list Batman. <laughs> it's fine. All right. So should we, uh, should we go on to what we're playing this week? Yeah. Okay. So Maddie, what are you, what, Maddie, what are you playing? <laughs> I will talk about Life is Strange a little bit. Okay, go ahead. Um, so I, I didn't get to beat this yet. I am going to go beat it after the show is over. I paused it, and now I'm recording the show. But um, I'm playing Life is Strange Episode 2, and it's much the same as the first episode gameplay-wise. No surprises there whatsoever. I wasn't expecting any, obviously. Um, I I don't... I, I, I already said I really like this game that's not a surprise like you get to play as a high school girl and you in this episode you're dealing a lot more with this uh sort of mean girls click that's happening at Mm. high school um and even just the first scene i was like flashing back to all of these horrible memories of how horribly i was bullied in high school and just being like oh my god this game is so realistic it's freaking me out so that that part it's it's very good um but I, I would just say, like, I really wish they had at least one woman writing this game because there are just these occasional moments. Like, I, like, had Max, she walks up to the tampon dispenser in the background, in the bathroom and, like, makes some weird comment about flow. And I was like, no girl would ever say that. What are you doing? And it just, like, gave me so much, like, contact embarrassment to just imagine these men in the writer's room being like, what's a fun period joke we could write? And it's like, oh, my God, don't do it. So I I just really wish they'd hired at least one woman 
to help with some of that yeah, stuff. Someone I, went to look I, over that because that's so wrong. I know. I, I they're just and and I there are a couple other things. Um, just just the way that the girls talk to each other. There are moments in the game where I'm like, oh my god, this is so realistic. This is exactly like the types of interactions that I had with bullies in school. But then there are other moments in the game where I'm like, what? Teenagers would never act that way. And I feel like there's such easy fixes that it's almost frustrating to me that it's not exactly right. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like what made Gone Home work so well is that there were multiple women on that team. And those women were specifically basing that game on their own experiences growing up and being in high school. And like that is why that game I I had problems with Gone Home too, but I I didn't have that this particular problem where I felt like the characters weren't speaking to each other in a way that was realistic. So even though I really love Life is Strange, every time I recommend it to people, I feel like I have to give them the caveat that like there are some really corny jokes in this game that feel like they were written by your dad, and you just kind of have to be like, oh well, a dad wrote this. I'm so excited. I can't wait! I can't wait to play episode two now. This is made for me. I I still really like it, and I still definitely recommend the game. Um, I just, I don't know. I wish they had like run it by me. Next time, they should just run it by me. That's that's my note. And then Max goes and builds and builds a costume for the the entire. Yeah, Max would be building her songstress unit outfit for the school prom. I did stuff like that because I was a friggin' weirdo. Max is actually like more put together than I was in high school in a lot of ways. Anyway, (laughs) somebody else talk. So, uh, so Brie, what are you playing other than, you know, Bloodborne and, and yelling at it? Uh, I mean, I could give Bloodborne more of a, a shot. I mean, I'm, I'm really frustrated. I mean, you know, this is just a side note. Like, I definitely enjoyed my vacation. But, you know, I was at GDC. Uh, you know, before that, I was speaking at college on a hell schedule. Then I had PAX. Yeah, then I did my vacation. Now I'm heading out to, I think it's three colleges in a row. Maddie, we're going to hang out. We're both flying out to, where is, where is it again? University of Northern Iowa next week. You and me. Oh, give me give me a link for that, and I'll put that in the show notes, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to be out there with Patrick Klepek as well. Uh, and, when are you going uh, to Ireland? Never. We're oh. never going. We're going to Iowa. Oh, Iowa. I saw, I heard Ireland, and I got all excited. No, we're going to Iowa. There's a big difference between <laughs> Iowa and Ireland, yeah. Unfortunately, I'm not going to Ireland. I'm going to Iowa, which is a cornfield. But if Bree's going to Ireland, that's cool. I'm going I won't to be Scotland, there. actually. Okay. So, in cool. Germany and a bunch of other places. Meet so me in Ireland. Know. Okay, we'll go we'll go party in Ireland. Okay. Where are you, we'll when are you happen. going? Tell, I don't when... know, Maddie. No, no, no. When's Georgia going to Ireland? Oh, so we know when to go. I'm leaving on uh, Saturday. Because you guys uh, are doing you guys are doing a live vector at Ool, right? Yeah, we're what? going to oh, Ool, and then this uh, weekend. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Envy. So well, we're gonna be so... in Iowa. Okay. So, right. <laughs> Maddie, I was thinking how funny it would be if you and I went down to Frat Row. If we oh. just like rolled up there on a Friday and we're like, "What up, Maddie Myers and Brianna Rue up in your frat house?" You do not even know. <laughs> Oh, the stories I could tell you about what a social outcast I was in college as well as high school. I would try. I tried to go to some frat parties at MIT where there were nerdy guys who I theoretically would have gotten along with. And I was still too nerdy even for those guys. So, no, I don't think I could make it at a frat party. 
Even now that I'm an adult woman, I still don't have the social skills necessary. But do you know how weird that would be? Like for me to be telling. Oh, it would be incredibly weird. But we have to like meet students and stuff. You're an old hand at all of this. And it's I, I don't do this very often. I've spoken at colleges only twice before. And um, so I'm not I'm not super experienced with doing it. But now you speak at a college every week. You're like, hey, what's up? I'm Bree. I'm an expert. And I'm used to speaking to students. Just fire that- diplomas out of a T-shirt cannon. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I am not I, I uh, it's going to be like a bunch of youngsters asking me how they become games journalists. And I'm just going to burst into tears, burst into tears in front of their very eyes. Hopefully not. <laughs> I, I I think what, or at least my theory is, I think kids that age just are looking for direction. I mean, I think college is a great experience, which is why I was there for like seven years. So, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I think it's great. But uh, I also think the professors can kind of be a little idealistic and distanced from the real world. Um, and I think that just kind of being honest with students about what they need to kind of make a career and just talking to them like they're equals. I think that's really all they're looking for. I mean, they're, they're looking to believe in themselves. And I, I, every time I speak at a college, I really go out of my way to, you know, talk to the women there and to, you know, kind of look at them in the eye, tell them I believe in them and, you know, just kind of encourage them. Cause it's, you know, how much your insecurities just rip you apart, you know, like it's, it's tough. So yeah, that's true. Know. And at that age, that is definitely what I needed to hear. So yeah, I'll yeah. try to talk to my awkward college self who struck out with a million dudes and tell her that someday she's going to be a famous games journalist. She'll be and, okay. And be on an amazing <laughs> podcast. With fabulous friends. Yeah, and she'll eventually date a guy. For real. (laughs) (laughs) Why am I still talking? Didn't anybody else do anything this week? Oh, I was going to talk about the games. I'm sorry. I got off on a tangent. So, yeah, the reason I'm frustrated about that is I'm not really getting a chance to play many, many games at home. uh, Because I'm not really much of a 3DS person. But, um... You know, so at least we have the Vita, and there's nothing really on Vita. Um, so I've been playing a lot of 3DS games lately. I'm uh, still working my way through Persona Q. If that's been a theme for lately, it's because that's the only system I've got, guys. Uh, I did buy Monster Hunter, which um, there's something addictive about it, apparently, because everybody is talking about it. It seems extremely generic and run-of-the-mill to me so far. Kind of very Japanese in that Japanese way. And, like, I talk about being bored of games where you just kill things as a primary mechanic. Well, that's Monster Hunter. So yeah, that seems like one of those games where you're either a Monster Hunter person or you're not. And, yeah, and it's the people who are Monster Hunter people are really Monster Hunter people, and everybody else is just inscrutable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I have been playing a lot of uh, Super Smash on my 3DS, and I I actually think it's very playable uh, on on that form. Um, I'm really enjoying it. So. You know, I wish I wish I had new, more more new games to tell you guys about. I also bought uh, what is it, Skyline City, uh, City oh, yeah, Skylines, City Skylines. Yeah. That's... Well, I didn't know there was all women on the dev team, and oh, really? I didn't know how well it had done. So I picked it up. Um, the interface, at least so far, is drastically worse than SimCity, and it's very poorly ported over to Mac. So. I wish I could give you better news about it. Um, like, it assumes certain things, like you have a page down key to do the interface. Well, I use a Mac laptop, so that doesn't help me very much. Um, 
But it's, um, you know, I'll get deeper into it and tell you guys more next week. Yeah, I know. I've heard a lot of people saying that that's like the second coming of SimCity and stuff like that. So mm. I, it I don't seems know. like yeah. they Maxis kind of blew it and gave themselves an opening. So yeah, <laughs> and now they're not a thing, and now Maxis isn't a thing anymore. So yeah, pretty much. Uh, so uh, so Georgia, what are you playing? So I'm playing a game called Baby Got Back End. Um, it <laughs> has spaceships in which you date each other and you attack each other, and when your spaceship explodes, you level up. And then there's, like, giant pandas that attack the world. Uh, I don't really understand how that happens, but I think the game's really innovative. Uh, the art is probably pretty terrible, though. Uh, the spaceships kind of look like giant hand turkeys with, like, circles over them. And mm. it seems like it was more, like, created by a people, a group of people that were, like, chatting drunk on a podcast. <laughs> One Dalabunga. I'm totally sober, Georgia. Totally sober. This sounds really good. I'm really interested in this game. What what platform is it available for? It's on the Wii U. And, and do I need any? Oh, okay. Which the Wii is U. probably I have that. a strange platform. It is to a strange. It's definitely not what I expected you to say for given the type of game that it is. Right. Uh, does it use any peripherals at all? There's there's uh, they they have an attachment for Rob the robot. What? Wow, that's really surprising to me. Yeah, I, don't I know. never would have thought he would be involved in a modern day video game. <laughs> right, right. It's strange because they're so hard to get. Uh huh. And you you can't fight the giant boss with with the final without him. Mm-hmm. Is that the only game you played this week? That's the only game I played this week. Okay. Judgment. <laughs> oh well, that's okay. I love you guys. Well, you'll you'll have a whole plane ride to find something to uh, to occupy your time, I guess. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I wish that game existed. I don't yeah. care what you all say. Somebody somebody will build it. Mark my words. Somebody will build it. It's going to be us, Steve. Yeah. It's our job to build it. Didn't Frank fire us? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he left? did. He should have. Well, okay. I hope he still makes the game. I believe in Frank. I believe in his vision. Right. I'm considering reapplying to his company. Okay. I believe Frank is not the person to lead a game dev team. He's not, he's not necessarily the leader he w- we want, but he's the leader we deserve. Yeah, that's probably true, <laughs> given who we are. Like We had, like, when the Gamergate death threats got really bad, we had some uncomfortable line of succession discussions at GSX. There's the uncomfortable moment where you have to go, Frank, I'm sorry, I love you, I'm married to you, but you are not the man to leave this company. <laughs> oh, that's if awkward. If I die, that's you would awkward, yeah. run our company into the ground. Right. I'm sorry. You, yeah. <laughs> that was kind of an awkward afternoon. So. <laughs> All right, oh, I guess it's my turn now, huh? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Georgia, wait, where, where are you actually playing, Georgia? She said she didn't play anything. I'm really <gasps> not playing anything. <laughs> I have been wor- I'm going I had to put on I have been working uh really long hours this week. Georgia, so. I'm gonna come up with the system where you'll get some stickers if you play games yeah. this week. <laughs> it will it will encourage you. That, you you that get stickers work. and you can cash that in for a half an hour of arrow at a time. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. All right, so I, well, I have two games, so I'll make up for Georgia. Um, one of them I already mentioned, which is Zeo Drifter, which I was playing on the 3DS, um, which is a really retro Metroidvania type game that um, it was on sale for like five bucks, and it was it's like like I said, I played it like in two and a half hours or three hours, but it was it was fun for you know the time that I spent that I felt satisfied by it. So it's you you are like in this spaceship and you're crash landing. They give you like no information. So I, I didn't figure out any of the story until, like, I beat the game, and then they, they're they like, oh, here's your warp drive. So your warp drive is broken, 
And so you have the, there are these four planets that you kind of shuttle between and each one of them is like a side scrolling Metroid style, um, you know, level where you're, you're, there's like one boss who you just keep fighting over and over again. And every time that you fight him, he gets more attacks. So it's kind of an interesting thing where you're, uh, where you're, you're learning the initial attacks and then you're just kind of, he's using those and then he's layering more and more on them. But you also have more weapons that you're earning by beating him that give you ways to counteract the attacks. So cool. it's kind of an interesting mechanic. I mean, like I said, it's really short, but it's fun. And it, you know, it was a, it was a fun way to spend like two and a half or three hours. Cool. So, um, and you know, for five bucks, you can't really beat that. So, um, and then I, they had this flash sale on the PSN over the weekend where they were selling games for like under a dollar. So I bought this game called Tokyo Jungle for the PS3. I don't know if any of you have heard about this. Mm-mm. Um our friend Bree, our friend Berkeley was like you need to buy this game. So oh, like, I love okay. Berkeley. Yeah. So he he was like you need to get this. I'm like okay, fine. I'll, I'll get it. So the idea is that it's Tokyo like 10 years after some like apocalyptic event. So all the humans are dead and all the pets and zoo animals have all escaped and gone feral. And so you're playing one of the animals and you're the idea is that you need to survive as long as you can and and ideally long enough to um, find a mate and then sire the next generation so that your you know, your puppies can kind of take on from you. So you're you're kind of like there. You can either play as a as a carnivore or a herbivore. So the carnivores are are hunting smaller animals and like they will the, the animals will run away if they see you so you can hide in tall grass that's growing out of the growing out of the street or you can kind of lurk around cars and stuff like that and then there are there are bigger bigger animals that you have to run from if they start chasing you um it's and then the herbivores are just kind of like trying to eat like pieces of grass and then hide from the predators as they're walking around so it you start off with like a pomeranian and a deer and then you can unlock like all kinds of other animals and uh georgia yes there is actually dlc where you can play as a panda Oh, that's it. Yeah. The so game. I, I heard actually, that game's really hard. Is that is it, it hard? It is pretty hard. It it you kind of it's one of those things where it's you you kind of it's all it's a lot like a roguelike almost where you kind of figure things mm-hmm. out as you go. Yeah, especially since you're like training for the next version of you who is stronger than you. So there are definitely roguelike elements there. Yeah, but I mean, even even in between lives, like you're kind of figuring out. Okay, well, this is this is what I need to do to you know to to hunt down this particular animal and this is where i need to go the only thing i don't like is that it at nighttime it just there's it gets so dark that you can't see anything and that gets Mm -hmm. kind of frustrating but you know i don't know how how much staying power it's going to have but for you know 80 cents or whatever it was it was a pretty good deal so yeah it came out a while ago but i saw a lot of people talking about it um just this week because it was so cheap i i feel kind of bad that i missed it because i remember people talking about it back when it came out yeah is it still 80 cents or whatever can i still get it no that ended on monday it's 15 dollars now i'm terrible <laughs> oh but, well yeah i'm sorry i would have made you buy it if i knew but i didn't get to play it until after the sale it ended anyway so um but yeah i got that and uh nobi nobi boy but i haven't gotten to play nobi nobi boy yet oh that game's so weird yeah Are you ready are you ready emotionally f- to be unsatisfied by it? Yeah, that's why I kind of was back and forth on it, and that's why I haven't played it yet, but I figure I'll play it at some point. But All right. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> oh, so so we uh, just before we wrap up, so we want to make sure I'll put it in the links in the show notes again that, that Maddie and Bree are speaking at University of Iowa and Bree and... Northern Iowa. Northern I don't know Iowa, why, sorry. but the N's really important, you um, and I. And Georgia is going to be speaking at Ool this weekend, or mo- is it Monday, Tuesday? Uh, the I believe I'm speaking on 
the 30th, I think. I think. Sometime this weekend. And I'm not going anywhere, but if you uh, want to listen to more of me, I was I guessed it on Up, Up, Down, Down. Oh. That should be coming out on Friday. And we Wonderful. talked we talked about uh, rhythm games and specifically Rock Band for about an hour. Sweet. So we that was a lot of fun. So hopefully that'll be out by the time that this episode comes out. And uh, Bree, do you want to uh, ask our listeners to name your dog? Oh, yeah. I completely forgot about that. So, oh, man, I wish I thought to put this at the beginning of the show. So, um, so what we're doing is, you know, Crash Died. You guys all, all heard that to listen to the show. Um, and, you know, we, we got a rescue dog named Splat. Um, and we love Splat. But Splat is a very, very shy, traumatized um, puppy. And we love him to death. And we've given him the most wonderful home and um, all of that. But, you know, like a, a small dog lives um, you know, 10 to 15 years. Uh, and, you know, our home just feels like it's, it's missing a kind of zaniness ever since Crash died. So, mm. you know, we, uh, we've actually found a very, very spunky, crazy puppy. And um, you know, we're just going to, we're going to, we've thought about it. We've been thinking about it for months and we are committing and we are going to get another dog. So, you know, we frankly, I choose to not have children and we want, we want a house that's full of zaniness and fun. So, you know, in this way, it's... It's, it's like Splat gets to be himself, and we're not asking for something he can't give us. Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah. So we're just uh, we're going to add another uh, chaos element to the Wu Clan. I'm sure since you guys do this show with me, you can understand. Like, I want a dog that's crazy and fun. And that's yeah, of course. So, yeah. so uh, we're going to do that. And um, Frank and I are trying to decide on the the name for the dog. Uh, we thought of a few. We thought of a you know, there's kind the motif of picking some science fiction sounding uh, something that's like going wrong. So we've thought about clunk. We've thought about uh, boomer. We've thought about zap. Um, I am lobbying hard for Megatron right now. So <laughs> I don't know if any isometric listers out there or even uh, my co-hosts on the show have ideas oh, for a don't, dog. Don't, I am, don't go there. That's going to yeah, go no, bad. No, no, no. Wait, could we <laughs> name the dog Georgia? <laughs> don't, I think you need to name the dog Skrull is what you need to name the dog. Yeah, Skrull or Dawabunga. Skrull? Super scroll. Oh. So, so if people want to send you suggestions, Bree, should they tweet you? Should they tweet the show? Yeah, should they send yeah. an email? What do you no, want them tweet, to do? Tweet, tweet me or, or send it send it to the show. Either either way, we'll get it and we'll look at that. So do you guys have any idea like what you want to name my crazy dog? I like Megatron a lot, but Frank doesn't like it. Frank, I think Megatron is a good name for a girl and Frank disagrees. I so. still like Starscream, though. Starscream is so whiny. Mm. Yeah. 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 Are we only thinking of Transformers or? I think everyone should, we should all tweet out different name ideas and then, then you and Frank can, can vote for the winner. I will, I will ask my daughters. Oh, that's a, that's good, a idea. good idea. Uh, that will be entertaining. That's a good idea. <laughs> all right. So uh, we should, oh, and, and reminder that we are moving to Relay in two weeks. Uh, we will have, by the time the next show comes out, we will have the new feeds for you guys to, subs- to resubscribe to. Uh, again, we're going to repoint the feeds, but the best way to do it is to resubscribe, and we will have uh, all the details for you next week. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, in the meantime, you can rate and review the show on iTunes. Uh, that's going to help us out a ton. Uh, you can 
Uh, find the show notes at, for this show at 5x5.tv slash isometric or at isometricshow.com. You can send email to us at feedback at isometricshow.com. And, of course, you can uh, follow all of us on Twitter. The show's account is at isometricshow. I am at Wicked Good. And, Bree, where can people find you? Space Cat Gal on the Twitter machine. And, Maddie? I'm at Samus Clone. And, Georgia? Georgia underscore Dow on Twitter. Thank you, as always, for listening, and we will catch you next week. Have a good one. The silly, the craziest stories, Brie, that, that how you have uh, changed my um, vocabulary. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sorry so silly, in advance, but... by the way. Yeah. <laughs> A lot so... more F-bombs. She started saying ass instead of butt, is, is what it is. I don't curse on this show. Thank you very much. Not on this show, no. I am way better than you guys. Yeah. Oh. So. <laughs> so I'm watching, I'm... Uh... I'm I'm reading through I don't know some little comic strip online and stuff like that and I'm going through it and uh, there's like these Ninja Turtles and they they go Kawabunga and I went to, in my brain I went why did they say it wrong <laughs> <laughs> swear that's to awesome. God I actually had to uh. go wait I'm the we're that's the bastard I date bastardization of the name. You bastardizes the term yeah. bastardize. Yeah. You just did that. Oh my gosh. Uh, yes, anyways, so there you go. Lasting effect. My gift to you, Georgia. Thank you. I know I'm we not- already have a t shirt in mind, but for what we're gonna put out eventually, but I really hope that sometime we can do a Dowabunga t shirt as well. Or mug or something. <laughs> something. We need Something. to. That needs to be somewhere on the list of things that we put out. Okay? Agree? Yeah. Agree. No, I, okay, so I, I'm going <laughs> to lobby hard for the Twitter pugilism shirt. Uh, look, I want Maddie. that too. I'm just saying I want Aobanga to be on the list as well. Okay, I just feel so like... what's, what is Steve's shirt? What is Steve's catchphrase? What I don't is have Steve's... a catchphrase. Apparently, it's back at that end. Maybe got Maybe back got end. Back end? <laughs> I like how I said back that end up because I don't remember what the phrase is. And that's oh equally God. stupid. Um, yeah, whatever. Steve's shirt can say that because he came up with it. So now he has to wear I it. I hope Baby Got Back End catches Steve the Steve will wear it. Steve, no, he I... won't. He would not wear that shirt. I, hey, yeah, he's worn a panda hat for know. the entire episode of see, Live See, Isometric. there's a difference between me wearing the panda hat in a place where I'm among friends and wearing that shirt out in public and then meeting running into somebody yeah like i feel <laughs> right. like out of context right. baby right. got Fair. back and just looks like steve is an anti-feminist dipwad yeah. like it just looks like he's wearing one of those go make me a sandwich t-shirts or something yeah, exactly. <laughs> like nobody would understand the intent with which that shirt is meant but i don't oh. care and we should sell it anyway because whatever <laughs> Uh, How about Steve just just making out with a, a, a life-size full-body Nintendo 3DS? <laughs> well, Keith already drew me in a panda suit yes. playing a 3DS, so...
Kiva was I, saying on the I'm chat talking about you making yeah you just like embracing like you embracing Rob the robot and say like I've wanted this for so long. <laughs> That's Georgia. Georgia's the one who's in a, who's in a long term committed relationship okay. with Are Rob the robot, not me. Thinking of stuff that each of us embarrassingly likes. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to go with t-shirt ideas. I'm trying to show leadership, Manny Myers, the third. <laughs> well, my them. my job on this show is to just uh, mock relentlessly any ideas anyone else has and come up with nothing original of my own. So, okay. right. so what right. if what if Steve's t-shirt has him? What if it's Steve dreaming? Oh God! And it's like, wait, what if it's it's Mario dreaming and it's Steve, like at the end of Super Mario Brothers two, and Steve is just a dream of Mario. So I, and I'm he's Wart. By is that what you're saying? I'm yeah. Wart the Frog. That's yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, pretty much. Do Mario's dream of electric Steves? They do. It Ooh. turns out. Do you have vegetables around the house, Steve? Unfortunately. Exactly. <laughs> what? I should just go straight over to Soylent. You have a. You should. <laughs> I really stuck with that song. I bet you guys didn't think I would do it for seven months, and I've done it for seven months. Do you still like it? Love Soylent. Oh, my God. It's so good. You know, I worked from home on Tuesday, and I spent a good, like, half an hour trying to figure out what to eat. And I was legitimately thinking to myself, if I just had Soylent, I would be, like, doing anything else right now. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm winning at life, Steve. (laughs) That's, That's it. Do you drink it? Do you drink it from the green container thing that I got you for drinking I your do. soylent from? I did. Oh my gosh. I actually, I actually took that on my vacation and oh, drank that, it at my Disney life is World. Complete. I did. I did. Uh, I actually figured out you can put Starbucks Via, which is like their their ground brew, like dump it in water. Oh, that uh, sounds terrible. Ground. No, it's really. I think it's. It good. actually oh, is pretty good. I've had I've it. Tried compared it. It to awful. hotel coffee. Oh. Yeah, it's not that bad. Yeah. As far as instant coffee goes, I I don't think it's that bad. Oh, oh my God! We have, so we have a suggestion from the from the chat room to have it be a cereal box that says Mary O's and me smiling and holding up a spoonful. Yeah, that's cute. That's, that's pretty good. That's, that's Kaylin Sandal with that suggestion, and she's a delight. So, oh, Kaylin, yeah. you are yeah. in off world. Congratulations for that. I read that today. So, I just like the Mary O's idea. I like that a lot. We can get one for John Syracuse and make him. We wear should. It. Yeah. he would definitely be into. And then we so, we get to uh, the two of us together for like a photo op. Right. So as long as we're going like into the the after dark here, I have a question for you guys. I was thinking today about how bad Nintendo's reputation is with GLBT characters. I mean, they can't even make women that aren't white and blonde. So you know, like you know, making actual gay people is kind of beyond their capability. Well, I mean, so, they tried that one time, and it was like Tamadachi Life. We talked about that on the show, right? right. That was yeah. not that was the very yet. first episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, where yeah. the pandas yeah. came from. Right. Is that where the God. pandas came from? That's where it the is. pandas came Nobody from. Nobody should listen to that episode. No, please don't. Oh. No, no, it's terrible. Don't I used to, to tell people listen to it. Don't, though. No. I changed my mind. Yeah. Uh, so I guess the <laughs> question is, if there was any character in the Mario universe that would be gay, who who should that be? Oh, or don't. Lesbian. No. Yeah, yeah. Uh, why, I'm why? tapping out. Why, why, why? Because this is, can only go in the worst direction. Why, why, why? I so, somebody already diversity. got like mad at us for doing like slippy slash fic a few like a what? couple months ago. Are you for real? Yeah, yeah. I, I would... had trouble understanding why that person was angry with us, but they were very angry with us because I guess we implied something. They thought that we implied that we don't like gay people or trans people oh, or God, something, the... and I, uh, I don't. 
I don't I even... wanna I wanna see Nintendo have gay characters. I do too, but I don't think forward. they should just take a character they have now and be like, it turns out that Waluigi's gay all along. Like yeah. I don't want yeah. that. Yeah, you can recon it. <laughs> I feel like they should just they should just commit to it. And they should first of all should have put gay characters in Tomodachi life. I don't know why they didn't. That was a great opportunity for them to do it since it's a dating sim kind of game. Um, so I don't know why that missed opportunity happened, but like, it's not too late. Like, you know, they've got a game like Bayonetta. So if they feel like they don't want to do an adult content thing, then clearly they've gone back on that. I, I don't know. I don't know. There's no reason. I don't think for why they wouldn't. I was reading about the history of Burnout today. Like that is a weird kind of erasure kind of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that was really bad. Like, well, I mean, that was you know that was what twenty five years ago. Yeah, so. it was, but like almost no one has grown up at, in the gaming community since that time. So everybody still thinks it's funny to make jokes about Birdo. Yeah, no, I think Birdo is awesome, and I I don't know. I I guess it's like if Nintendo can't even get that right, like, do you think they could add diversity to? I don't know. I, I mean, they don't. Yeah. They don't even have any people of color in any of their games. Let no, alone, I know. Yeah. And like, Steve, like I, Steve loves Nintendo for whatever reason. But like, this is something that I don't trust them on. No, I don't like, trust them on it either. I don't. This is like an actual topic. We could be talking about this on an actual episode of the show, <laughs> and here we are putting it in the after dark when we're too tired to think about it. And I've prepared nothing to say. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like I don't even know if I trust them with Samus at this point. Like, I feel like they've made a lot of weird missteps and. I just don't know. I, I feel like if Nintendo were going to do a game that actually tried to approach that topic and be like, we're going to write something about queer characters and queer romance, I would hope they would hire some writers who could really do it justice. I, I don't know that they would, but they would have to. Well, I think we can all agree Other M didn't happen, right? I mean, like... <laughs> yeah, but that, I mean, like, Nintendo right. hasn't officially come out <laughs> right. and said that. But you know? I can I can really see Samus as a very you know powerful lesbian woman. I think that would be very yeah, consistent I with her. Personally, so. feel like that's a strong read on her character. Although canonically, she is not. Canonically, she has a horrible ex boyfriend named Adam, and for some reason, there's a whole game about him. Right. I don't know. I think like I I think Metroid is due for a reboot anyway. But I was I, was, I would love for them to completely reboot Metroid. I would love that. I, I was just sticking out this today, Steve, uh, w- with Final Fantasy Type Zero, and yeah, I was thinking about how much that game gets wrong, and I was really thinking today how really Nintendo is the only company out there that really thinks through the details with presentation. I mean, yeah. if Mario is going on a journey, like they take time to explain why Mario is going on a journey, you know, like it's a it's a universe that they take time to put the interstitials in. And I don't know. I, I was thinking about how awesome they were at even you know, making games with nonviolent gameplay. Like they are doing that more than anyone else. Yeah. But I, I I think they've got to get enough for diversity. I mean, I, I don't understand how it could be a Japanese game company and there aren't even any Japanese people in the games that they make. Like I say, it's very weird. To well, me. they, they um, I mean, maybe they can take an opportunity to be progressive with Splatoon because it seems like they're going a lot in that direction. And all the characters in that game are girls. So. Yeah, which is cool. Yeah. So I don't know if that's an opportunity with like a new IP or whatever. I don't know. That game looks sick, by the way. Sick in a good way, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm just I'm just making sure because <laughs> I'm really excited about that game, and that'll you know that's there's not a whole lot that I'm excited about from you know, major major. <laughs> oh, that was so dark, Steve. No, I mean it, 
Uh, there's a lot of games that I'm excited about, just not anything that's coming from a major publisher right now. So. Yeah. Well, on that note, I'm going to go play the rest of Life is Strange episode two. Yeah, and I'm going to go before my battery dies. So Is, is Georgia alive? I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs>